Forte Catholic. This is your host, Taylor Schroll. We have got a beautiful day here in the Red Sea Radio Intergalactic Studios located in College Station, Texas. Welcome in. Sam, last week we celebrated something very special. It was our 100th episode. Today is the first of many things that we will celebrate. Sam, when you think the number 101, there's a few things you can think of. What's what's one of the things you think of when you hear 101? Dalmatians. Dalmatians, right? That's one of the first things that I think of as well. The Spotted Dogs and Cruella DeVille. Yes. Uh, 101 Fever. Like hot. I don't I don't know why. Sam, That's just Sam's the next thing I thought sick, of. <laughs> so the 101 <laughs> Fever is sticking into her into her brain. She is feeling much better than she was last week, but still not uh, quite up to her normal self. So it's true. if you hear a little bit of difference in her voice, uh, that's what's going on. But I'm a good host, so I'm going to make her talk this whole time. So <laughs> we're going to have some fun today. Um, so let's, let's see if we can do it. Let's see if we can do it this way. So when I, let's see if you can narrow down. 101, there's another thing you can think of that might not be as obvious. 101.7, that was the next thing I thought of. Is that a radio station? Yeah. <laughs> you can't promote other radio stations on the radio. Well, I wasn't promoting it. That was just the next thing I thought of. 101.7 is a radio station. <laughs> she said, matter of factly. Yes. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Race car. Does that do anything for you? Taco no. cat. No. Mom. Dad. Baby. How do you, what is, <laughs> baby is not uh, involved in this. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> what do you want from me? I'm really lost. Okay. You're in the Red, Red Sea Radio Intergalactic Studios. We've been through this. Uh, it's true. How, what is, what is dad spelled backwards, Sam? Dad. What is mom spelled backwards? Mom. What is mom spelled backwards and upside down? Wow. <laughs> what is wow spelled backwards? Wow. What is 101 backwards? 101. I almost said wow again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Doge. Uh, do you know what the word for that is? Um, no. Let me educate you. That is called a palindrome. 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 P- palindrome. We're doing our, our pionics today. So it's a palindrome. It's the same front ways and backwards. And to be fair, some may argue that 11 is a palindrome. My thought is it has to be at least three because of the Trinity. (laughs) That's just the logic I'm going with because you can't argue with it. But our first of many palindromes that we will have on the show, I'm very excited about. We'll get to one in 10 episodes. Number 111. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if we're still on the air we didn't think we we're going to make it to 100 and we did last week that's true good job Spe- team. speaking of number 100 if you did not get a chance to listen to it this is the one to go listen to fortecatholic.com slash radio it's so much better than today's show is going to be <laughs> <laughs> wow we're starting off strong uh, and today's show is going to be great i am really looking forward to, forward to it we're talking about the red sea rules which is odd because we're on red sea do you know that that's okay? Let's see if you know another word. Red C R E D C is a word that stands. It's a 
term, I'm not saying the term, that stands for religious education of the domestic church. What is it called when letters stand for a saying? Acronym. Acronym. Can you give yourself a round of applause? Yes. I'm so very proud of you. You're one for one, which means that in the class of Forte Catholic, of which I am the professor, you currently have a 50 as your grade. Well, I never win, so it's fine. <laughs> See, you, you say that, but yet since you started saying that, I think you've won everything you've done. It's Yeah, you have to say that so you'll actually win. I don't even care if I win and then you win. You're like, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> I write it in my diary. I won today. <laughs> you have a diary? Can we read it on the air? Can that be a segment? Definitely not. Okay. I'm gonna, Never ever I'm know. Gonna, I'm going to find your diary and it's going to be a segment. This is weird. No. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about the, re- the story of the Red Sea of the Israelites today, stuck between a rock and a hard place. But something else quite important in all of our lives happened today, Sam. Okay. There's, oh, a, there's oh, a certain film. I understand where you're going there's, with there's this. There's a certain film. You understand it because it's what we talked about in our show prep. Right, <laughs> so, right. Um, there's a certain film studio that we are all um, fans of. Yes. In, in the Marvel universe. Marvel, 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 Marvel. Uh, after the last movie, spoiler alert. Yeah. That's my sound effect what? for spoiler alert. I didn't have the. Do we I have sirens? Like, uh, I think we. I think we should have sirens. I have this. Okay, let's see if this works. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let's do it again. Just do that. Okay. Spoiler alert. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. It is funny. That's our new spoiler alert warning. I'll try to remember. Um, Infinity War is a movie that came out many, many months ago, a few moons ago. I don't know how that all that works. So, ask your local. Meteorologist? I don't know. <laughs> um, what was I talking about? <laughs> Meteor. I was, I was like, that. was that funny or stupid? That's actually what goes through my head almost all the time. Well, you know, it was. <laughs> it was a thing that happened, she said, matter-of-factly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so at the end of Infinity War, spo- yes. spoiler alert, uh, they're all gone. So you could say... That they're stuck between a rock and a hard place, except the rock disintegrated in front of everybody's face. But the hard place didn't. It's still here. The hard place is still there because hashtag Thanos will return. So you could say that the people in the Marvel Universe are stuck between this rock and a hard place. And the Captain Marvel first trailer dropped today. Uh, We were going to watch it together as show prep, and you said... I had already seen it. Except you said it like, I've already watched that. Several times. <laughs> several times. Okay, so you've watched it several times. What stuck out to you in the trailer? I think I said it like that because I was so surprised that you hadn't watched it. It was very judgy. It wasn't supposed to be judgy. I was just like, you haven't seen it? At least it was sassy. <laughs> uh, it was probably sassy. Okay, what was your question? What do I think about it? What were your, yeah, what were your initial thoughts? Um, it looks super epic. <laughs> like, I don't know, just every part... Of it, you're just like on the edge of your seat, and my eyes were so wide. Uh, there's several parts that I had to like, I had to watch again because I felt like I was missing something. Or right. like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> what about? Wait, what? This this could change everything, and it's really it's really exciting. It better change everything because of the whole disintegrating thing we talked about. Spoiler right. alert! Spoiler alert! Oh gosh! Uh, was I supposed <laughs> to make the sound? To panic! <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, I watched it. The thing that snuck out to that stuck out to me is that it starts at a blockbuster video. We had to stop and laugh at that. Like the <laughs> we were watching it at the office and we stopped and laughed 
because it was at a blockbuster. So the the they're like not even caring about the kids that are watching this movie. <laughs> they're just like we know that it's people like us that like still think we're children, but exactly are grown ups that they're like. Let me tell you, son, about when I was a child and I had to walk six miles to go get a movie. And we loved Blockbuster. I loved Blockbuster. It was like, so now, like, it, now it means absolutely nothing, right? Because we have unlimited movies and, right. and shows on our fingertips. We can watch them, like, on the bus, wherever we go. I don't, I don't know why two. I said on the bus. I think I've only ever been on two bus, two uh, public transportation <laughs> buses. Uh, you can watch it on the bus or your local on a plane or your local tram or trolley. Trolley. On, on a plane. You can even download them on the plane now. Okay, we're digressing. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So. Yeah, like I used to have like, I remember like every movie was like three or four dollars. You used to be able to rent video game systems, not video games. Like I remember going to get the Nintendo 64. We'd rent it for like eight dollars a day. (laughs) (laughs) And you'd take home this like black briefcase and and play it and bring it back the next day. Anyway, you got unlimited movies for like twenty dollars a month. Yeah, we did. We had that. There was one summer that I was living in Corpus Christi and I had absolutely no friends and no one to talk to. So on the weekends, I would just, I would get a movie, watch it, bring it back, get a movie, watch it, bring it back, get a movie, watch it, bring it back, go get Taco Bell, get a movie, watch it, bring it back. (laughs) And then by that time, it was the evening. So I'd rent a video game, play that all night until the next day, return the video game, do the whole movies thing all throughout the day again, go get that same game and play it all night. (laughs) So the Blockbuster people and I became best friends and the clerk there was was the best man at my wedding. Oh, is that true? <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> Spoiler alert. So speaking of things that are really, really old. Okay. You know who wasn't old in this trailer? Who? Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, he looks young. <laughs> I don't know what they did. And he has both eyes. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert, Sam. Spo- oh, spoiler well, uh, alert. Spoiler alert. It reminded me of in Rogue One, whenever... They made Princess Leia look like 30 years younger. That's true. Right? Yeah. That's essentially what they did with Samuel L. Jackson. But like, that's how he looks the whole movie. So I'm really confused. Because so obviously this movie takes place a long time ago because of said blockbuster video. Wait, is it set in the 90s? When is it set? I think that's what I heard. 80s or 90s. That's what I thought too. Okay. I was I was set in the 80s or 90s. (laughs) Yeah, me too. 80s baby by two and a half years. Or two and a half months, I mean. Yay. Um, so they're stuck between a rock and a hard place, but Captain Marvel is going to come and save everything. Save the day. I also, as I was watching the trailer, Mm -hmm. this is the first ever like female led Marvel movie because recently the only like good ones so far that they've come out with because they had, they have obviously haven't come out with many of these. It's been all these dudes saving the world for forever. And they're finally trying to bring some women in. Right. Right. So DC had the first really good one, which was wonder woman. Right. Correct. And I loved that movie. And I loved the music in that movie. Like everything she did, every time she did something cool, it was like, right. Yes. Just like that. It's exactly what it sounded like. (laughs) That actually wasn't me singing. That was the actual drop from the movie. Yes. Uh, spoiler mm, alert, that no. is the sound from the Wonder Woman movie. Spoiler alert, that was a lie. <laughs> spoiler alert, half the show is. Uh, <laughs> my name's actually Fred. <laughs> I've been lying to you for 101 episodes. The truth finally comes out. The truth will set you free. I feel so free. That's good. What do you think about me being a Fred? 
I didn't really like it, but that's okay. You didn't like it? No. Speaking of Fred, <laughs> uh, my buddy named Fred works at AccuPrint here in town. Okay. He said matter-of-factly. So Fred makes my Forte Catholic business cards. So like when I travel and, and go, do, go do events, I'll hand these out at the end. Or, you know, if I'm wearing my flashy business suit and I'm, hey, instead of exchanging information on phones like everyone would want... Would you like me to give you this piece of paper with all of my contact information in it that you would have to input manually so you won't actually ever do? (laughs) But for some reason, that's what our society does. So I make business cards and Fred is, is the man for the job. So I called him because I've been traveling. I've mentioned some of it on, on the air. Like for instance, this weekend, on Friday, I drove to and from San Antonio. <laughs> it was a long weekend. Friday, I drove to and from San Antonio to lead a worship leader training for, this was really cool. Like I got goosebumps throughout a lot of the day. It was the ministry in college that I co-founded. That was a primarily like young adult community and worship based ministry. We co-found, I co-founded it with my best friend in college. And to see it continually growing is really, really cool for me. And a lot of the things that we were fighting for on campus, they have gotten and are continuing to fight for the rest. And it's just really cool to see the Catholic identity of that school continue to grow and for people's faith and the campus ministry to continue to grow. And it was just really neat to be uh, present there with them and to help them continue to grow in their ability uh, to lead worship. Really cool for me. I also, I've told this story on the air before about how I got into radio. And this last week or two in preparation for the 100th episode, which was a a big deal, right? It was a big deal to me. (laughs) So, And then looking back at this last week, and I just want to thank everybody for the kind words that they've said. Everybody's been so supportive and uh, really, uh, you know, building me up for the first 100 and excited to see what the next 100 are going to do. So thank you, thank you all, especially for those of y'all on social media that have reached out. But I've been doing a lot of like looking back and just being very thankful for this whole story. Like thankful to Thaddeus and and Dennis here at Red Sea who believed in me and finally said yes after a year of pestering them to have a show. Uh, on Friday, I was in San Antonio, right down the road from Guadalupe Radio, who we are all friends with, and that's where I actually got my start in radio stuff. So I was a music music industry major, which was a 100% music degree with 50% business classes tacked on top of it. And I had to do an internship in the, in the music industry. Um, part of that is sound editing. So I did a lot of sound editing for Guadalupe Radio, which is in San Antonio. So I got to drop by the station on Friday see the general manager there, Richard Reyna, who I got to hang out with and just kind of just being back in that studio and looking at all the things that have come from that studio, like how that kind of launched this whole idea for this show was just really cool. And I got tears in my eyes, Sam, but spoiler alert. I'm not ready. Oh gosh. I did not cry. I almost did though. Uh, It's just been a really cool week. So I say all this to say, I was talking to Fred from AccuPrint because <laughs> <laughs> okay. I had to restock on these business cards. I call him and I haven't talked to Fred in 
maybe a year and a half since I made the last batch of business cards because I finally ran out after a, after a long time. I call him and I say, hey, Fred, this is Taylor Stroll from, he goes, Taylor, I knew it was you right from the get-go. You have the most recognizable voice on the phone or on the radio. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. And he said, it's definitely a good thing. And he listens to the show through the radio at his store. So hi, Fred. I told you I was going to talk to you, uh, talk about you. And here I am. We got to start off this conversation of being stuck between a rock and a hard place. In our final segment today, we're going to get into these Red Sea rules. R-E-D-S-E-A, not the Red Sea radio station rules. So we will be right back, though, for our interview with our good friends from Project YM. We will be right back. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a message from Definitely Not Taylor. If you are listening to the show, you should totally rate it and subscribe to it on iTunes. To rate it, go to the iTunes Podcasts app on your phone, search for Tay Catholic, scroll down to Review, give five stars, write that you like the show, and then move on with your day. Enjoy the rest of the show. Alright. Welcome back in to Forte Catholic. This is your host, Taylor Stroll. We're going to get right into it. We're starting off real quick. Going right to our interview with Tony Vicinda of Project YM. All right, Mr. Vicinda, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing doing good, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, we were talking a little bit before you came on, and you went to the Catholic Creative Summit this weekend. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how that experience was? Uh, yeah, so Catholic Creative Summit is a gathering of people in uh, ministry, artists, painters, entrepreneurs, people who are in diocese, parish, own their own business, uh, do their own art. All across uh, the U.S., we had some Canadians there, and we actually had a really strong Australian contingent. We got together down in my hometown, Dallas, Texas, uh, just for a weekend of uh, community, of celebration, of, of being fed, and of really of, of being in a place together, kind of being set on fire by this this spirit of community and of friendship, um, and just really, really letting God do some work in that. And it was this really beautiful experience, got to watch the new and upcoming Eight Beats film that uh, that our ministry nice. uh, helps support, uh, and so we were really cool to see the five of the eight films on the Beatitudes on the first night. Here's some amazing talks, uh, and you know you hear talks a lot at different conferences. Uh, there are two things I would name about the the Catholic Creative Summit that kind of set it apart. One is these are people who came in and they looked at what the theme was, which is a new garden, kind of just being renewed in God's creation and and being co-creators with him. And they each really took that to heart. There was no shtick. Uh, most of the talks were the first time they'd ever given that content in that way. Um, they all really hit on the theme. Um, it was super spiritual content, even if it was a little rough. Um, it was meaningful to people in the room. And lots of times when you go to conferences, you're just hearing the same talk that person's going to give 20 years here. <laughs> Uh, so that was super beautiful, but also just, I would say the number of disciples in the room out of any event I've been to in the Catholic Church, and I should say percentage specifically, not just number, because it's only 200 people, um, the, the, it was such a high percentage. 
Uh, when we were in mass on uh, on Sunday, and Dave Moore was and his wife were leading the music, I don't I don't think there was a person in the room not singing. And I do believe that disciples sing uh, at mass. Amen. I don't believe it makes you a disciple, but I do believe that disciples <laughs> sing. So. Uh, just being in that space, uh, worshiping together, being fed together, having great practical conversations, um, being able to pray with, over, and be prayed for by people. Uh, it was a very different experience, and there was a very different uh, spirit in the room. It was beautiful. It was it was absolutely beautiful, which is what the Catholic creatives are, are really seeking to do, a new renaissance of beauty within the Catholic Church and beyond. It's really cool, man. We were talking. We got to catch up a little bit. Uh, I always love our little conversations that we have. You know, we were just supposed yeah. to do this interview, and I think we did a whole. Uh, the interview is eighteen minutes, and I think we talked for about twenty five before we even came on. It was good <laughs> catching up, and I had a little bit of a, a FOMO this weekend, a little bit of fear of missing out because it seemed like all of my friends on on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter were either at the Catholic Creative Summit in Dallas or at a Doors and and, and Steubenville's Encounter event in Houston. And I was booked for other events, so I couldn't go to either. And I was just like, oh, all of my friends are hanging out. I want to be there. So I'm glad to hear it went so well. And it's it's cool. I've, I've actually been wanting an update on the 8 Beats films. So it's really cool to hear that y'all got to see them and that you enjoyed them. Because the second most popular episode, most downloaded episode in Fort Catholic history was when the, the D'Ambrosio brothers came on to talk about the 8 Beats film on episode 57. And that seemed to just resonate with everybody very well. So the whole reason that you're here is that we want to talk about the reason that you were at the conference the, and, and then your mission that you are living out in your life. We've talked to you before about Beard Bomb. We've talked to you before about your wrestling career. But today we want to talk about your main focus, which is Project YM. So what is Project YM? So Project YM at its core is a ministry that exists to help youth ministers, youth workers. So middle school, high school, diocesan, parish, uh, Catholic school teacher, volunteer, professional, help youth workers around the globe know that it's not just their ministry that matters, that they matter, that they are seen, that they are heard, that they are loved, and that they are cared for, which may sound like a really weird mission to have. Your youth minister, if you go into the average parish, the youth minister is probably the person who is most focused on evangelization and discipleship out of the entire parish staff. And they are probably the least supported, the least seen, the least heard. And they have to straddle a lot of different groups. It's not that the parish, on average, doesn't want the youth minister to feel that way. It's that the youth minister doesn't know how to. And a lot of times parish structures aren't set up in a way that just lets them exist as a member of the community uh, in the same way that other people can. Uh, and so our, our whole mission, what we want to do is just help them know that they matter uh, and that they're loved. And so we do that in a lot of different ways. Um, we do that through online communities like the Catholic Youth Ministry Discussion Group. It's a group of about 5,000 youth workers from around the globe um, who basically it's a, it's a clearinghouse and be able to ask questions, share ideas, and have good discussions with each other. Uh, we do it through our online Thrive community, which is basically a membership site for Catholic youth workers where uh, we've got a couple hundred folks who week in, week out, we our staff is pouring into, um, helping them tackle challenges, grow as professionals, and experience really intentional community with each other. Again, it's online, uh, so there's limitations there, but I do a couple of weekly calls each week. I get to pray with people, talk about their ministry, uh, and just support them. And then we're doing projects in like the slums of Uganda. We've got four full-time youth workers that we help support there. Um, these are people who are doing two or three different jobs, who now all of a sudden are able to focus on full-time youth ministry because they did the two or three jobs 
to give them a budget, typically to feed a couple hundred orphans on the streets who weren't wow. going to eat that day. It's a good, it's a good thing to do, but we wanted them to be able to focus on that uh, and nourishing and nurturing those young people, um, both physically and spiritually, instead of having to do the three other jobs to do it. So we came in with the Diocese of Masaka, Uganda, and uh, have hired the first full-time youth workers in the history of the country uh, in their diocese, and we're trying to grow that out more. Um, and then we have a full-time missionary in the Philippines, a missionary base down in Tennessee, uh, where Michael Marchand, my my co-founder and co-director, he and his wife are down there. Um, and then we do other online projects. We've got a huge blog. We run an annual conference for Catholic youth workers called ThriveCon that's absolutely free. Um, and we also just started a new project called Lead Day, where we're helping form teams of adults that work with the youth ministers to form better local community also. So we do a couple of things. Do, <laughs> just one do, or two. We do a few things, you know. Um, but yeah, the, the whole thing, it's all just really centered around creating support systems and helping youth ministers grow professionally as disciples um, and not just as people who are executing strategies and programs, but as people who are, who are loved by Christ um, and surrounded by a community of care. It's really funny because I obviously know you guys and I see y'all around the States every now and then we travel for conferences and that sort of thing. And it's funny because you are based here. You're both from here, but somehow America is the thing that's like, which one of these is not like the other. You're like, yeah, we're in Uganda. We're in the Philippines. And then also we're in Tennessee. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's too, it's too funny. Yeah, I was going to say like Tennessee, what people don't realize Michael felt really called to go there. Like he was down in Houston. Uh, he and his wife drove through there one time and just in prayer, they, they together both kept on coming back to, we should be in Tennessee. We should be in Tennessee. We should be in Tennessee. And when they started looking at the demographics, it's Chattanooga where they live is half a million people. It's 3% Catholic. Um, it's a super small Catholic population. The church there is, has atrophied a whole lot. Now the diocese is really supportive. Um, we, they, we actually did a ton of rallies for them this year. Um, you know, we, we worked with uh, close to 3000 middle school you through that process, but that was for the entire diocese. It was actually four grades across the entire diocese that we ministered to. So the numbers there are really small. Michael's got a huge, huge evangelization impulse. We both do. That's why I live up in Seattle. And um, and so when we, we put him full-time at, in Project YM, when he went away from parish working into full-time ministry for us, we really wanted him to be somewhere, could be a missionary. And so in addition to all that stuff we do, he actually works on the ground with local youth workers. We do training regularly for free in their diocese for, for the different deaneries they have um, across the diocese in Knoxville. And so we're really trying to intentionally pour in there um, because it's really, uh, Deacon Al Forsyth, who's the director there, is phenomenal. And they really need to build up some, um, um, some you know, some fortresses and reinforce really strong parishes. And so we're just trying to pour into them and help do that. So I know it seem, it does seem bizarre, right? Philippines, <laughs> Uganda, like all these, even Seattle might make a little bit more sense to people, but but Tennessee really has a huge mission field for the church right now, um, and it's been a huge blessing for him to be able to pursue that also. It's great to hear all this stuff, and I, it has a special place in my heart because most of my listeners know that I've been working in youth ministry for a long time, and I've shared on the air a couple of times that I shouldn't be here anymore. I should have left ministry because I was in a parish by myself, like you said, not supported, uh, wasn't, wasn't getting paid well, wasn't getting supported well, just kind of... so. I, it is my experience, but a lot of people don't know this. A lot of people look at the youth ministers and they're like, oh, they're vibrant, they're dynamic, they're up in front, they're doing great stuff. But behind the scenes, it can be tough. So what do you think, like, let's give somebody like the current state of what it's like to be a youth minister, at least in America. <laughs> yeah, so there, there's a couple different categories. I want to I paint this as, as not a broad picture. We actually just 
participated with this uh, this nationwide study. We had thousands of respondents. We kind of just crunched the numbers on some things in Catholic youth ministry, degrees, formation, uh, how people felt, events, other stuff like that. And so you can't get into one person's heart through those kind of numbers. But I would say, you know, the average youth minister's salary uh, across the U.S. is about $36,000. Uh, uh, that's actually grown a little bit over the last couple of years, uh, but that means that the average youth minister, if they have a family, which most of them do, usually not small families, uh, three uh, to six kids on average, um, they uh, they are not making enough to be above the poverty line forever. They're reading most of them, most of them can't afford to live in the communities that they serve. So that creates a sense of isolation. It also creates a sense of dependency. Um, sometimes they're working a second job to make ends meet. Sometimes they're not even paid because the parish won't invest in a salary. Um, and if they get have a salary, they may not have a budget. If they don't have a budget, they can't invest in the tools and the resources they need to grow at their own formation as well as to form the young people they work with. Um, they're not necessarily given space, facilities, um, and they may work well into the evening on a given night and then be expected to be back early the next morning. Um, and nobody ever stops. Here's, the, I think, the big thing for us. Nobody ever stops to ask these youth ministers, how's your prayer life? You know, like, when's the last time you went on a retreat? Hey, like, if you're married, when's the last time you got to go out with your spouse? Can I watch your kids for you? Uh, can I pay for dinner? Uh, you know, like, uh, so that you can just have a little bit of time at feeding your primary vocation uh, instead of taking care of the kids of the parish. I know for me, uh, that was a huge deficit. Like, it was hugely hurtful in my marriage and for my wife uh, for for us to feel unsupported. And when things go wrong, in the youth minister's household, whether that's a personal sin issue, whether that's a family issue, they oftentimes feel like they have to hide that. They don't feel like they can necessarily tell members of the community because there's an expectation uh, because of a lot of the clericalism that we experience in the church. It's now been extended to lay staff members that they have to be perfect, um, that they can't screw up, that they can't be broken, that they can't be real. Uh, and nothing feels more isolated than feeling like you have to lie about who you are. Um, and so um, we experience that over and over again from youth ministers, that they're dry and they're they're hurting and they, they feel overextended, spread thin, and they don't know where to go. And so that's really where we try to step in um, and say, hey, we, like, we want to be here. We want to support you. Um, and so, you know, that's great when we can do that remotely. Um, but there really is a desire as we grow to figure out ways we do that more and more. It's just great to hear that y'all are doing this, like, especially for me, like everything you're saying is like, they feel isolated because they can't afford to live in the communities that they worked in. Like that was me at my last parish. They have to get a second job to be able to afford it. That was me at my last parish. Stuff at home got, starts to get difficult because either finances are a struggle or you're working all the time. And so it's it's great to see that y'all are working to end some of these things, to support people through them as we transition out of that stuff, hopefully. I am very excited about what you guys are doing. And I would imagine that a lot of people listening who are in youth ministry would be excited about your do what you're doing. And there are a lot of people who would want to support the things that you guys are doing. I know that you're in the midst of a fundraiser to be able to do all this great stuff that you do. Why don't you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, for, for years now, like we've basically been tent makers. So in Acts, um, there's this there's this line or these, these four lines really where, where we find out that Paul, in order to make money for his ministry, not... Not to take money home himself. Paul may have been wealthy. He may not have been given his social standing. He probably had enough finances to support himself. But he made tents to afford to be able to do the ministry work that he was doing. So uh, lots of your listeners already know, years ago, we started Catholic Bomb Co. kind of as a lark. But it was to support Project YM at an event we were at. And it's grown and over the last few years. It's, it's done a good job of that. Uh, we've been able to accomplish a whole lot. But we know God is still calling us to more. He's calling us to greater things and bigger things. 
uh, to support the church. And we know that Catholic Bombco also needs to grow separately. It's become a ministry in its own right. We, we feed thousands of people spiritually every year through the different things that we do on that side. Uh, and we need to be able to bring on more staff to be able to manage things well on both sides. So we're actually trying right now to help Project YM stand a little bit more on its own so that both ministries can grow and thrive. And so uh, a, a week ago, we launched something called supportprojectym.com. And, and we don't do fundraisers. We've never done fundraisers. Like we help other people fundraise. Uh, we give money away to people. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we realized, hey, we need, we need a little bit of help here. We need to be able to bring on a project manager. Uh, we need to be able to, to invest in some specific resources uh, to be able to launch Project YM into the next phase of what it's doing and free up Catholic Bomb Co. To, to still support Project YM, but to focus on supporting other projects, including itself, a whole lot more, uh, to be able to grow that really intentionally. And so um, as we looked at both of those things, we realized the best way to do that was just to go, uh, you know, we've got, we've got tons of people who use our resource. We've got thousands of people across the globe that we support. The big problem is for most of those people, we already expressed, they don't get paid a whole lot of money. Um, they, don't, they don't actually get paid these huge paychecks. So we can't go to them and say, hey, we know we're supporting you. Can you give us, you know, hundreds of dollars to do this? Um, you know, uh, we, we just can't. We can't. We can't in good conscience. And so we've asked them or people who are fans of ours to say, hey, if you know minister, if you love a youth minister, um, if you know a youth minister and you don't love that youth minister, but you think that they have human dignity and deserve to be supported, uh, if you'd like to see them doing better, please consider investing in our ministry. Um, and so we started a crowdfunding uh, page to do that over at support projectym.com. And, uh, and we've always believed that you should get value for value. And so even though we believe in our mission, uh, we actually partnered with a whole bunch of different folks. And at like $20 worth of support, you get like $40 worth of gift cards to some phenomenal small Catholic businesses that do really amazing things. Uh, like Catholic Beard, Catholic Blomco is one of them. I don't know if you know Sock Religious, uh, but that's another one of them. Like um, all these different ministries we work with these different things that you get gift cards for when you support us at the $20, the $40, the $100 level, you get more and more. And above that, we've got some premium perks that I'm absolutely excited about. We've got something called the mystery box. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a box full of mystery stuff that we will send you if you support us at that level. At $200, you can play Dungeons and Dragons with Bob Rice and me. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, there's, a, there's, there's only limited space for that one. Uh, I know you probably want to get in there quick uh, if you're ready to roll some dice with the two of us. Uh, <laughs> if you're worried about the demonic nature of Dungeons and Dragons, we're not actually playing Dungeons and Dragons. We're playing a different role-playing game because uh, we wouldn't want anybody to uh, to worry too much about that. Um, and then we also have uh, higher ones. If you love Catholic Bomb Co. and you want to uh, have a custom-made scent for your business, your ministry, your parish priest, there's a $1,000 level that lets uh, will custom brand and create uh, with its own label on everything, a bomb just for you. Uh, and we'll sell it through the store, but we'll also make sure that you use them also. Uh, so there's, and then we can also come out and do an event for your parish, your diocese, other stuff like that. So there's a ton of great ways to support us over at supportprojectym.com. And that's going to set us up for success um, for the next five years, hopefully. We've been doing ministry now for five years, almost six. Um, and this is going to help set us up this small amount of money uh, for the next five to six years of ministry. Let us bring in the team members we need to start doing work we need to, do to continue to support and grow Project YM while getting it a little bit more separate from Catholic Bomb Co. so that the Catholic Bomb Co. can grow the way that it needs to also too. So um, it's really it's been really a huge, huge blessing to be able to do this ministry. We know that God's going to provide, uh, but we also know that there are people out there listening who God is calling uh, to help support us and calling to invest 
in the church in this way. And so, um, yeah, I, I bet you if, if each of your listeners got out, got out and gave us $20, um, I'm sure we would hit through a quarter of our goal. So even if it's just at the lowest level, um, that would be a huge amount of support for us. All right, Tony. Well, thanks for coming on. Everybody go check out the website, supportprojectym.com. Thanks for coming on, man. No problem. Peace. All right, guys, we will be right back for our final segment of the day. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Forte Catholic Radio. We mentioned this and kind of set it up in our first segment of today. If you missed it, you can always find the show on podcast. Search Forte Catholic wherever you listen to podcasts or go to ForteCatholic.com slash radio. You can find all 101 Dalmatians and episodes there. I feel like I need to put a picture of the 100, 101 Dalmatians on my on my uh, website now, or the 102 Dalmatians movie that no one watched. Sam, the Red Sea. Our good friend, she has been on the show before, Miss Gina Bauer, came into town a few weeks ago and gave us a, a just fancy, phenomenal retreat. Yes. It's weird to say fancy and phenomenal when they are the same f- syllables phonetically, but they are spelled very differently. Yes. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Taylor's weird. Um, (laughs) Stuck between a rock and a hard place is what we're titling this episode. It's where we're getting at right now because she talked to us about these Red Sea rules. Essentially, the rules for crisis when we are stuck between a rock and a hard place that we learn from the story of the Israelites being at the Red Sea. Right. After they had escaped. So they, they had been in slavery for hundreds of years. God delivered them through Moses and a stick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it was primarily God's power. But There was some music in it, too, from what I remember, right? No, that's the movie. That's the movie. Sorry. Sorry. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but there is music after. After they are delivered, Moses sings a hymn, which actually is the oldest scriptural text that we have. Oh, Boom. I didn't know that. Knowledge bomb. Okay. That's not the point of what we're talking about. So... Um, here over the last couple of months, a lot of people have felt like we are at this Red Sea moment. We are stuck between a rock and a hard place. Because essentially what happens with these guys and gals and cows, um, they get released from slavery because of all the plagues that happened. You've all heard this story, right? But uh, Pharaoh uh, did not make up his mind. He said, okay, you can go get out of here. And then he's like, Wait, my entire entire labor force is gone. <laughs> this was a big mistake. <laughs> but he forgot about the stake, which is what we always call Moses' staff. Okay, that, no one's ever called it that except for me. Uh, by we, I mean me and all of my personalities. All right. Hello. <laughs> my name's Fred. I was about to say, is it Fred? <laughs> it's Fred. Hi, Fred. <laughs> okay, so... They get there, and essentially, the Israel, the Egyptian army starts chasing after them. And the Israelites get up to the Red Sea, and they are stuck between this massive army coming to take them back into slavery and this waterway that they can't get, they can't get by. So there is no way out for them. That's what it looks like, right? So the first thing 
that we need to realize from this story, we all know how it ends, right? He parts the sea. How'd Moses cross the Red Sea? How did Moses cross the Red Sea? How did Moses cross the Red Sea? How did he get across? Did he swim? No, no. Did he fly? No, no. Did he sail? No, 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 no. Did he swim? No, no. Did he fly? No, no. How did he get across? God blew with his wind, puff, 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 puff. He blew just enough, 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 enough. And through the sea, he made a pass. That's how they got across. <laughs> I've never heard that before. That so, is from a VBS that I led when I was like 20 years old. <laughs> hey, so God parts the waters. Like we know what happens, right? But they didn't know how the story was going to end because they were living in it. Just like we don't know how our story is going to end. We don't know how the scandal is going to end up. We don't know how all the other things that are difficult in our lives are going to end up. It often looks to us like it looked to them. They started thinking, oh, well, why did we even leave? We should have gone. We should have stayed in slavery. It's like, that's a dumb thing to say. (laughs) People shouldn't say that sentence, right? Right. It's really dumb. But that's what happens in these crises. Crises? Crisi? Christ. We're just going to go with Christ because Jesus is always the answer. They didn't see the way out, but God did. So the first lesson is that God needs you to be right where you are. God worked so hard to get the Israelites to this moment right here. He used all of those plagues. He called Moses. He called Aaron after Moses didn't want to do the job. He used all of these people. He showed his power to to the Israelites, to his own people. He showed his power to the Egyptians. They were freed, and they got to this moment. He worked so hard, and they were so willing to just say, ah, I'm just going to go back into slavery, right? The Israelites felt trapped just like we do, but just like them, we don't know what's on the other side of this struggle until we get there. Sam, you were at this training as well. Yes. What sticks out to you here from this beginning section? I think it's just like, if you go in and read the story, Jesus knew they were going to be trapped. Like he knew there was not going to be a traditional sense of the way out. So like the idea that God wants you right where you are can be really difficult when you're in it. <laughs> right. Can, can, and can you just like, I, I can even think of a story in my life too. when when things are just really difficult and I don't see a way out, I was like, man, if, if I could just go back to before this was hard and it was like, well, I hope I'm a better person than I was <laughs> two years ago. Right. And so it's the same idea that the Israelites are talking about. We we th- say things like that, but God wants to show his glory. And if like if that story never happened, if they weren't trapped, we would never know the wonders of God parting the Red Sea, like this beautiful miracle that he he did for the Israelites. All right. The greatest part of his story came through suffering and struggle, like with Jesus right. on the cross, which to be fair, the Israelites hadn't heard yet because it was a few thousand years before then, but we know, right? Um, so one of the big things that one of the lessons that Miss Gina Bauer pulled out of this was also when we find ourselves stuck between the rock, a rock and a hard place in a difficult situation, we need to acknowledge the enemy, acknowledge the situation, but keep our eyes on the Lord. I know for myself that too often in the last two months, I have acknowledged the enemy and focused on the enemy, focused on the negative, focused on the 
on the negative things. And that leads to times of despair, times of lack of hope. I think that's what despair means. Um, just times of, of darkness. But we could acknowledge the enemy and keep our eyes on God. All the people started looking back and, and looking at the darkness, looking at, they saw the, the Red Sea, they saw the army coming and they just gave up immediately. They were like, ah, we should have just gone back to slavery. Like, let's go back to our hut, you know? Look how powerful they are. Look how much they could destroy us easily. Yeah, they could, they'll probably kill some of us to make an example. Like, this is terrifying. They're running at us with chariots. They're the strongest army in the world at, the, at this point. And we've got the stick. <laughs> <laughs> we have a staff we can turn into a snake. Okay. Um, so acknowledge the enemy and keep your eyes on the Lord. And we have to stay calm and confident and give God time to work. Focus on him and say, God, what are you going to do about this? Because none of those people could fix this issue, right? They weren't, they weren't some strong force. They obviously didn't have the mental strength to get through this. But Moses kept his eyes on God. He had, he had all, of this, all of this strength because he was looking at God. So Moses' focus was on God in the midst of this trial. So what, what is our focus? And I think the big thing, and you, you hit on it earlier, was talking about glory. Moses, like looking at why God even set this up the way that it did. God is always looking for times to show his glory to his people, revealing himself to his people so that his people respond to him, right? So I've always wondered like, what? why wasn't this, you know, those moving elevators like at Walmart and stuff, as you're walking up, you get close enough and it just parts, right? Like, why didn't God do that with the water? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> They're walking up and they're running and they're like, wait, we're running toward a sea. Wait, wait. <laughs> and it just starts parting, you know? Um, but he didn't. Like God had a plan. And, and God's plan, hashtag Drake, is always different than what ours would be. Like my plan would have been if I was, if, you know, if I could control God in this scenario, make this sea like the walmart doors that's never a sentence i thought i would say <laughs> and just open up so we can go through get us out of here but that's not what god did he wanted to show his glory and to take this power that you were talking about the powerful army that was rushing after them like we know how the story ends they're rushing after the israelites and right after the israelites get through the water the water rushes over them and they're gone all of their power is gone in an instant. Like Thanos snapping his fingers. Half the people were gone. The Egyptians are gone. The Israelites are still alive. That was the half and half. So. And it's interesting too, like that would have been an easy fix if you just kind of walked up and the waters parted. But I don't know if I would have thought that that was God. Right. Like in that moment, like they had to stop. It had to be hopeless before again, his glory could could shine through. And I think a lot of times too, we tend to to keep our eyes on the enemy and like acknowledge, oh, like this is awful. This is really bad. What are we going to do? And we, we just sit in that hopelessness instead of turning turning to Christ and allowing him, hey, I've, I've already won. The victory, is, the victory is mine. I've already defeated death. <laughs> I've defeated sin. <laughs> I got you. Like, let me have you. 
So essentially, uh, God does in this story what I didn't like about Haldo in uh, Star Wars. She had a plan to save everybody. She just wasn't telling anyone. <laughs> it's true. That's you what were, God's You were here. so upset about that. I was movie. very upset about this. But I'm not as upset about God because I trust him more than Haldo because they never told us who she was and they made her very unlikable. So if... I, I, th- I think one of the reasons that this comes up, at least for what this story says to me, I have talked forever about how complacency and comfort are are two of my favorite things in the world. Not necessarily, I should rephrase. Not necessarily that I like my complacency, but it's just very, very easy, right? So in my comfort, that's how I, I read the story, right? I'm like, okay, I want the sea to just part. I want it to be easy. But life's not easy. We all know that. It, we get to these difficult times. And I think so often when things get hard, both for myself and I think a lot of people, is we try to do things on our own. We try to trust in our own power. But in this situation, their power would have done nothing. All they had to do was to trust God to deliver them in his own unique way. Because before this story, parting a sea wasn't part of the just colloquial language. Now we're like, oh, yeah, I'd part a sea to get to that pretty girl, you know? <laughs> Nobody said that before God parted the seas. Like, that's not a thing that you see coming. Ha, <laughs> see coming. <laughs> so all the, peop- all the people's thoughts were worldly. They were focused on what was going on, what they could see. Moses kept his focus on God. Because if we keep our focus on the things on, of the earth, earthly things, that, like looking straight out on the what we can see on the ground, that's where our thoughts are going to be. But if we are looking to God, the miraculous can happen. We can allow him to work. So, finally, oh, here, here's the other thing. A lot of times this doesn't look all that great, right? Yeah. Um, just picture this. The Israelites walking towards an ocean from the army. Think about what the army is saying. It's like, what are they doing? <laughs> what, what, where are they going? What? Why are they making this more difficult? Wait, wait, wait. How did they do that? (laughs) uh, Walking towards the ocean looked really stupid. It looked dumb, but it worked. So, so often trusting in God and following God isn't going to look smart. Sometimes even to ourselves or or, or to other people, but it works. Hmm. Often, so often in times that we can't see a way out, but God's going to give it to us. So, What's our response, Sam? How do we respond to these things? You you actually want me to say it? We're really excited about this close. I'm going to let you we, do it. Okay, so we have three P's for you. We three P's will blow your mind. Prayer, presence, and praise. <laughs> praise. That's how you have to finish it. That's how you said the other word. Praise. Praise. Him. Okay, so... Their response was praying. The children of Israel cried out as the Lord, as to the Lord as the enemy drew near. Moses lifted his eyes and they were saved. That he kept his eyes on God. Also throughout this time, this is one of the cool things we didn't mention. I had actually forgotten this part of the story. I knew that once they passed through this, that like for the forty years in the desert, during the nighttime, the flame guided them forward. Right. And then the cloud of God's presence guided them during the day. 
one thing that I didn't realize is as the Israelites were coming towards them, the cloud came like a fog and it blocked so they couldn't see, they couldn't see each other anymore. Like God's enveloping presence was still there in the midst of their scaredy catness, in the midst of, <laughs> of, of this hard situation. God's presence was there for them between the Israelites and the Egyptians. Like God's presence and being in his presence is going to protect us from the things that we are that we are worried about, that we're scared about, the things that are coming up on our radar that we're not happy about. Right. And then finally, we mentioned this really quickly earlier, don't forget to praise him. So like Moses and the people sang the worship song uh, when they got there. And that's what I was saying earlier. Like I love giving this, talking about this whenever we're talking about worship, that the scriptures begin, the oldest scripture we have and the newest scripture we have essentially bookends, right? Genesis and Revelation. But essentially when the when the first five books of the Old Testament were written, the oldest text was this hymn that the Israelites would sing. And it was this this song, this, this song, this hymn of thanksgiving for God delivering them. And that's the hymn that is put right here. That Moses is praying, that the people are praying, praising God for what he did, for saving them when they didn't think they would be saved, for uh, delivering them when they didn't have hope. All they did was cry out to him like we talked about Peter doing, like, Lord, save me. So often we want to praise him when the storm is over, but the point is to praise him in the midst of the storm. Those are our Red Sea rules. So I hope they help you both in your personal life, whether things are going on at work, at your house, whatever, but also as we're still trying to figure out what's going on in the midst of this scandal, this crisis. So thank you guys for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please uh, subscribe to the show on the podcast. Go give it a rating, a review there. Help other people find the show so you can make some fun again, not only for yourself, but for your loved ones as well. We'll be back next week. Say it!